Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today in the Gospel, we hear the classic story of the road to Emmaus. Now this is probably one of the greatest stories found in all of Luke's Gospel. This story has everything that it needs to make it great. It has interesting characters, suspense, and even a a surprising ending. More to it, what makes this gospel great is the great message that it gives us all, a message that has been spoken to Christians for 2,000 years. It speaks to us about who we are as a church, what our Catholic identity looks like, and how we come into contact with the risen Lord in our life. But there is also something deeply gripping about this story. Essentially, it gets to the heart of our identity as a people and as a church. And that's why this story has inspired so many artists and writers throughout the centuries. Now remember last week's gospel, we learned that Jesus is most clearly seen in the church. The story of Doubting Thomas taught us that. Well, if you look at that story of Doubting Thomas from last week, And this week's story of the road to Emmaus, it teaches us how the visible, risen Lord of Jesus Christ is most clearly seen. And not just in the church, but it's most clearly seen at our Mass, every time we celebrate the Eucharist. Now notice how it begins. It says, On that very first day of the week, the disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem. The village was named Emmaus. Now, whenever you hear people traveling in the Bible, there's always some symbolic significance to it. I'll give you some examples. The story of the Transfiguration. Jesus, he climbs Mount Tabor with his apostles and is miraculously transfigured before them. They realize he truly is the Son of God. Remember, Peter wants to stay there. That's why he wants to pitch those tents. But Jesus says, no. And he makes their way down the mountain and they continue on to Jerusalem because Jesus knows it's in Jerusalem where his destiny lies. Or how about blind Bartimaeus? He's cured of his blindness and then it says, Bartimaeus followed Jesus up the road that leads to Jerusalem. Bartimaeus saw clearly that Jesus was truly the Son of God and then followed him all the way to Jerusalem. Jesus once said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Now these are all images of walking, walking the journey of life with Jesus Christ. It's symbolic of the right spiritual path that always leads to Christ. Now where are these two disciples going? They're walking away from Jerusalem. They're precisely walking in the wrong direction. They're walking the wrong spiritual path. Now think of it. Jerusalem, you can say, is the hotbed of all spiritual life right now. It's a place that experienced the passion, death, and now the resurrection of Jesus Christ. People in Jerusalem are seeing the risen Christ. The apostles, 
Thomas, Mary Magdalene, and the others, they are all seeing the resurrected Christ, but they're seeing Jesus in Jerusalem. And so, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to go to Jerusalem with the hopes that maybe you too will see the risen Lord. And so, if there's any place that you want to be, it's in Jerusalem. Take it to a further level. Notice where the church is. Remember, the apostles represent the church. The apostles are in Jerusalem. They're hunkered down in Jerusalem because they've already seen the risen Lord once, and they want to continue to see him. So they are remaining in Jerusalem. So again, if anybody wants to see the risen Lord, you would stay in Jerusalem. And yet these two disciples are leaving Jerusalem. That tells us from the very beginning of the story, these two disciples are walking the wrong path. Next in the story, it says, Jesus drew near them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing who he was. Well, herein lies two great truths of our faith. Sometimes we don't recognize Jesus in our life because we're walking the wrong path. We're walking maybe away from Jesus or the teachings of the church. But here's the first great truth. Even if we are walking the wrong path, Jesus will draw near to us, to be with us. So as to what? Help us get on the right path, the path that always leads to him. And here lies the second great truth. Even when we're walking the wrong path, the path that may lead away from Jesus, Jesus will still walk alongside of us, shoulder to shoulder, just like he does with these two disciples. We have to realize it's a basic biblical truth. Our God is not a God who is some distant figure, often some galaxy, waiting for us to find him. No, instead our God is a God that actively searches out for us, to draw near to us. That's why Jesus gives us the image of the Good Shepherd who leaves the 99 to search for the one lost sheep. Jesus once said, I have not come for the healthy and the righteous, but for the sick and the sinners. Our God is a God that diligently searches after us in order for us to walk the right path that leads always to him. Next in the story, Jesus asks the two disciples what they're talking about, and he appears that he doesn't know what happened over the past few days in Jerusalem. Now, upon hearing this, the two disciples stand incredulous. They're dumbfounded. It seems like everyone in Jerusalem knew what happened to Jesus Christ. Now, this gives us a good impression about how the passion, death, and resurrection has affected the entire city of Jerusalem. Now, a good analogy to help us appreciate just how dumbfounded these disciples would be or how shocked they would be, it would be as if after 9-11, September 11th, the attack on our country, maybe a friend came up to you the next day on September 12th and said, hey, what's going on? Is there anything new? Well, you would say to them, what, are you kidding me? You know, our country was just attacked yesterday. Thousands of people lost their lives to terrorists. And you don't know anything about this? So we would be incredulous and dumbfounded ourselves. And so what happens next? Well, the disciples begin to tell Jesus exactly what transpired regarding his passion, death, and resurrection. Which means what? These disciples, they know the facts. They know what has transpired, and yet they can't put it all together. 
in order to understand the big picture. A good analogy for us would be we buy a puzzle, maybe one of those thousand-piece puzzles from the store. We come home and we pour the puzzle pieces out on the carpet and we see all these pieces, but we don't see the big picture. Why? Because none of the pieces are connected to each other. And I think therein lies the problem with these disciples. They know the facts and yet they cannot connect the pieces together in order to understand the passion, death, and resurrection. Now notice Jesus' response. He says, How slow your hearts are to believe. Well, then he begins to interpret all of sacred scripture for these disciples. He begins to give them an overview of salvation history from the time of Moses and all the prophets to the present time. Essentially, Jesus is trying to teach these disciples that the whole Bible, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, was preordained for Jesus Christ. It was a foreshadowing of teaching us about who Jesus was, his entrance into this world, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. It is all about Jesus Christ. And see, that's the key of reading the Bible. St. John Chrysostom once said, In order for us to truly read and understand the Bible, we have to read it through the lens of Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. Because the entire Bible teaches us it is foreordained for just that. God's plan of saving the world through Jesus Christ. Now the story continues. Finally, the disciples reach their destination. And Jesus appears like he's moving on. Notice what the disciples say. They say to Jesus, stay with us. They invite him in. Well, this is exactly what we do. Every time we pray, every time we pray, we open our heart, our mind, and our soul, our will, and our intellect, and we say to God, stay with me. We invite God to be with us as we pray. And so Jesus does just that. He sits down with them in what I refer to as table fellowship or table friendship. This is exactly what Jesus did with his apostles at the time of the Last Supper, He sat down with his apostles in table fellowship. And in doing so, he celebrated the Eucharist, the Mass. It says that Jesus took the bread, said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to these two disciples. And immediately, their eyes were opened. They recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And this is the reason why I would argue that the story of the road to Emmaus is our story. It's the story of what we do every time we come to Mass. Think of it. At the very beginning of Mass, we do what we refer to as the penitential rite, in which we recognize our sinfulness. We say, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. We recognize that sometimes, just like these two disciples, we walk down the wrong path, the path that leads away from Jesus, the path of sinfulness. Therefore, we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. Next, we recognize sacred scripture. And Jesus Christ opens our minds, just like he did with the two disciples, in order to interpret and understand scripture in accordance with Christ in his life. Next at Mass, we celebrate the Eucharist, the breaking of the bread. And after the consecration, 
We look upon the altar, and just like those two disciples, our eyes are wide open. Now we clearly see the presence of Christ in our midst. Notice also, too, at the very end of the story, when the two disciples see Jesus, they are compelled to go back to Jerusalem. Now realize it's at night, but their first inclination, go back to Jerusalem. Go back to the apostles, the church, and proclaim that they have seen the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread. Once again, realize travel in the ancient world was very dangerous. They didn't have the roads that we have today. They were mere pathways at best. There was no signage. They weren't marked. There were wild animals on these roads. There were thieves, marauders, killers waiting for you at any corner. Remember also, too, these disciples, if they were to go out and travel to Jerusalem at this time, it was night. So they would have to have lanterns or torches. They could easily break their leg or twist an ankle. But they didn't care. Their first inclination was to go back to Jerusalem, go back to the apostles, go back to the church, and proclaim Jesus Christ is risen, and they've seen him in the breaking of the bread. That's how motivated they were. So too with us. At the very end of Mass, the minister says, Go now to love and serve the Lord. Well, we do just that. We have now seen the risen Lord in the breaking of the bread at Mass, and now we are compelled motivated to tell everyone in this world that we have seen the risen Lord, and we can do it without uttering one word. St. Francis of Assisi always told his monks, preach the word of God every day of your life, and if necessary, use words. We can preach that we have seen the risen God by how we live our life, how we behave. That's the best way in which we preach that we have seen Christ the risen Lord, in our life and at Mass. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week, reread the story of the road to Emmaus. This is our story. This is what we do every time we gather for Mass. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.